Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello there. Welcome to session 119 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a great start to your day. It is spring here. I almost said fall. I don't know why I said fall, but it is spring here in Philly. Uh, this has to be my most favorite time of the year. I love pleasant weather, especially this is like, I don't know, it's such a godsend when you have grown up in Texas your whole life and the typical May in Texas is like 90 degrees already. So, but uh, wherever you are, I hope that you're doing well. And uh, sorry to my friends and family down in Texas if you guys are struggling with all this heat. Today's podcast conversation is with a private practitioner, Kathy Berman. Kathy is in Oakland, California, and Kathy actually has a pretty unique training in that she was a nurse practitioner that where she focused on OBGYN and then went and got a second master's degree and became a marriage and family therapist. And she works with postpartum and pregnancy kind of issues. And in today's podcast conversation, we're just talking all about Kathy's private practice journey. I actually just finished recording this conversation and this was just such a genuine conversation. You know, Kathy was just very real in terms of why she started her practice and, and the struggles that she had and how she focused, um, on something much on a niche and how she found something in many ways that was much bigger than her. But by doing that, she was able to to niche and figure out who she wanted to serve in private practice. Before we get to today's podcast conversation, I just wanted to thank the folks over at Theranest for supporting this month's podcast conversations. Theranest is the affordable private practice management software for solo and group private practices. Uh, they actually hooked our community up with a really nice discount. So if you guys go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest, you can get um, the first month absolutely free and then followed by 20% off the next three months. But uh, you have to use that code. So uh, with that being said, here is my conversation with Kathy Berman from Kathy BermanMFT.com. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. It's great to be here. Yeah, no, it's good to finally connect. You were uh, in town and unfortunately we didn't get a chance to connect, but uh, I'm grateful that we were able to have this conversation today. Yeah, me too. I loved visiting Philly. 
Yeah, it's a good city, as, as I was sharing with you. It's definitely grown on me. The first year was kind of hard, but it is a nice city, especially if you like history. Yeah, definitely. Kathy, we're talking all about your private practice journey. I wanted to have this conversation because you, first of all, I just feel like you have such a wealth of knowledge. You've been on this journey a while, and there's just, I'm sure there's lots of things you've learned along the way. Yes, it's been a great one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reframe there. <laughs> so I wanted to start out with just asking a quote, you know, a, a quote that's guided you as a professional on your private practice journey, but also just in your life. What would that quote be? And then how can someone that's listening today, how can we use that in our own lives and in our own practices? Well, that's a great question. And there is a quote that I really love and it's sometimes your only means of transportation is a leap of faith. Oh, that's, and that's a beautiful it, quote. I found the quote on a greeting card, actually, and I was going to give it to my lovely daughter. And I showed it to her and she said, you should keep it, Mama. <laughs> so <laughs> I kept it. It was right around the time I started my practice full time. When was that you started? Gosh, like six years ago. Seems like ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> Been working hard ever since, but it really did touch me as kind of the, at the heart of my own leap of faith and something that clients have to do when they come in. Yeah, I mean, I, you just said it so beautifully because it is in many ways starting a small business is a lot of what we encourage our clients to do, right? Not start small businesses, but <laughs> to take that leap of faith to go somewhere maybe that scares them or terrifies them. Yeah, well, I mean, just the process of therapy, you really need to trust that the process is going to work and that like myself or another therapist is able to help you along that. Mm. I kind of visualize it as a bridge mm. in the change process that you're starting out in a place that feels kind of sticky and uncomfortable and then you have to have faith that you can get to that more hopeful, desired place, the other side. And that's such a beautiful image. I imagine for most of us, right, when we get started as private practitioners, there's a sense of hope, and then there's probably a sense of crippling or terrifying fear, right? So for right. you, like, when you got to the tip of that bridge, and you know you needed to make that crossover, how did you hold some of those fears and still move forward? Well, I think I just didn't want the fears to stand in my way, because I, I really ached to get there. I knew that, you know, I felt kind of a calling to do this work in this way. And I guess what really helped is just to break it down into small steps and get a lot of support and advice and just take each step at a time, which is kind of what I feel like I'm also trying to help my clients do is just break it down so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Yeah, that's such a good way of looking at it, because I do think that for all of us, when we, whether it's starting a private practice or even doing, taking it like a new step in the private practice, right, whether it's hiring someone or expanding hours or or even restricting hours or changing fees, any of those things bring this sense of like, you know, like almost this fear, but it's like, it's still being able to sit with that fear and move forward. 
Yeah, and share it with other people who've been in your shoes also helps <laughs> Has that, a lot. Did you do a lot of that like early on, just kind of connect with other colleagues or friends or family? Like, what did you do? I definitely tried to absorb all the enthusiasm around me that I was taking this big leap from families and friends and from my partner. And that really helped a lot. And also talk to people who were really positive and successful as therapists. There's this like phrase that just comes to me. It's just like, it really takes a village in many ways to start a small business, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause there's, I mean, I had never been a businesswoman before. So that in itself was a big leap. Yeah. Was there like, just thinking offhand, was there any like big pearls of wisdom that those folks gave to you early on that kind of kept, helped you to keep moving forward? Well, yeah. <laughs> For one, I did get advice to keep a part-time job, you know, while I was starting a private practice. And I think that's one of the wisest things that I did because you feel a lot less nervous and desperate about the income stream. And you have clients, you're doing the work, and then you're also starting something. And I think starting the practice gradually and not just jumping in full-time was also really helpful. Yeah, because I think, I think all of what you said is true, which is it's already stressful enough to start a practice and where it's a service-based business, right? So it's very client dependent and all of those things. So it's already hard enough to do that, much less worry about how am I going to get income? You know, should I take everybody? All of those questions. And it sounds like having that part-time job lets you be slow and steady and also more intentional just all across the board. Definitely. Do you want to hear more about what my job was that was so helpful? Or Of course. Okay. Well, I was um, working part-time at Planned Parenthood's prenatal program, which was just kind of perfect for my specialty area since I work in pregnancy and postpartum as my specialty. And they really helped me overcome my fears because they were like so appreciative of the work that I was doing. They were so great at helping me set boundaries, like checking in with me and making sure I wasn't taking too many clients in a day, really paying attention to my physical comfort, making sure I had a good chair and that I took breaks. And then I had the opportunity to provide education to the staff there and also really get comfortable with crisis management. Because I worked with a pretty high-risk population, and I gained a lot of confidence in knowing when I needed to collaborate, like when I needed to contact the physician. And so now I've kind of set that up, that web of support in my community where I work and in the, even in the building where I work. Yeah, so that's very different than just saying, hey, I've got an office and I'm going to jump into private practice and... I'm going to try to like figure this out kind of, you know? Yeah. It was like, I, I did have that village of like really wonderful women that helped me gain that confidence. So when I was stepping out into private practice, originally I was in a building where no one really talked to each other and it was a little isolating and I knew what I was looking for. And I, I was fortunate 
about a year and a half ago to move into a building with a bunch of other therapists in Oakland, California, mm. called the Rockridge Wellness Center. And we're a collective and we have a monthly consultation group and we can consult with each other on breaks and have lunch and kind of debrief. And it's really wonderful to have that environment as a therapist. There's a great like African proverb that I think has guided a lot of what I've tried to do with STC. And the last part of that is uh, together we go further. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that phrase just came to me as you were talking about that, because it is about being a small business owner, but it's also doing something and feeling connected to something, I think, bigger than ourselves. Definitely. And what's so lovely, too, where I work is that I work with a bunch of really savvy businesswomen, mm. and we're able to share different skills with each other, and it's so helpful. Because, yeah. you know, I am more of the baby boomer of the group, and so they help me with technology and, and you know, pushing some limits that I might not otherwise. That's wonderful. So you were working at Planned Parenthood. You realized that pregnancy, postpartum, that was a, an area that you had ex- or interest in, right? How did you, was it kind of a natural, I guess, was it a natural leap to say, you know what, that's what I'm going to specialize in as you jumped into private practice? Yeah, well, actually, I had worked in both public and private health as a, a nurse practitioner, mm. and OBGYN was my specialty, and I'd always had wanted to work in women's health. And I loved the role of the nurse practitioner because it included not only the like assessing for symptoms and diagnosing and treatment and doing the exam, but a big part of the role was the counseling and education. And I used, when I first started out, I had lots of time with my clients and a lot of time for those pieces. And as with the evolution of managed care and the healthcare system, visit time shrunk so much that I really didn't have time for the connecting counseling part. And, you know, for example, like a woman would come in checking for sexually transmitted disease or making birth control decisions or pregnancy testing. And I, once the visit time shrunk, I didn't have time to adequately address questions like, you know, they come in crying, like, do I even want to have a baby with this partner or how did I get this infection when we're supposed to be monogamous or will I have postpartum depression like my mom did or, you know, these are big subjects to talk about in two seconds and then send them out the door. And I came to realize that that connecting counseling, educating part was the part that I really felt most skilled at and most connected to. And I actually had an ache to do the work of a therapist. Hmm. It's so beautiful. Like, you know, when you find something that truly like serves the world and where you feel like that deep of a pain, right? Yeah. And I did try some other avenues for a while. Like I worked for the state health department as a nurse consultant and traveled around and presented in maternal child topics, but it just didn't do it for me. I kept like coming back to no I gotta, you know, take this leap. And the ultimate trigger that motivated me to return and like get a second master's degree and pursue this was I was out at the beach with my 
very best girlfriend of 40 years and she was losing a long battle with metastatic breast cancer and we talked about this urge that I had and she said just to follow my heart that life is short and she could just feel my ache and calling to do the work and I really listened to her and I just stayed on the path and never looked back. Just what a beautiful way to like honor her. Yeah, I feel good about it. I really do. I, I feel like somewhere, somehow she's looking down, smiling, happy that I pursued it. I think as like, I don't know, like I'm like tearing up, but like, as I like think about that story, right? Like I feel, and I see this a lot even in, you know, in, in our community, which is, I feel like a lot of clinicians, and I struggle with this as well. It's like, we get ideas of like, maybe I should do this, right? Even though it doesn't like fully align with our calling, right? Because they're because other people are doing it or, you know, other people are saying, you know, this niche, you know, is lucrative or whatever it is, right? But Mm -hmm. there's a difference between that, I feel like personally, and finding something that's like a true calling, right? Because it's not about the training. Like, I just feel like at the end of the day, we do something that serves the world, we help more people, and it's guided. It's like more heart centered, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. I have an interesting story when you were asking me about the fears of going into it. There was another thing that kind of calmed my fears. And it's when I was a nurse, I went to this conference where we were taken through a guided imagery experience and we were supposed to imagine our older self where we wanted to be. And I just clearly saw my older self sitting in a sunny office, looking over a beautiful garden, and that's where I am now. Like, literally, it feels like I'm in that office, all except for they had a fountain outside, and I don't have that fountain yet. But. We're, we're working on it, right? <laughs> yeah, working on the fountain. But, uh, yeah, so it just kind of, I think somewhere, somehow, once I had really visualized it, I could see that it was going to happen. There's that, that book that was actually, she, I think she was a nurse practitioner as well, Bonnie Ware, who wrote that book all about, she, I think, interviewed several hundred folks on their deathbeds and asked them their biggest regrets in life. And I think the number one regret was that, uh, I wish I lived a life that was true to me instead of what others expected of me. Oh, I've never heard of that book. That sounds great. I'll have to look for it. Yeah, it's a good book. But I thought of that because like, you really had this beautiful vision of where you wanted your life, right? It's so neat to see like it happened, you know? Yeah, no, it's great. And well, it's like, do you ever listen to Brene Brown or have you read her books? I do. She talks a lot about living your authentic life. And Mm. I really believe in that. And it's not always the easy path, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's much more fulfilling. Absolutely. Well, and I wanted to ask around that, like, what do you, like, we've talked a lot about this journey, and the reality is being a small business owner, being a private practitioner, it is like an emotional roller coaster in many ways, right? What's been some of the most challenging parts of, of private practice for you? Definitely, like, the one thing that I mentioned, like, being a baby boomer, mm-hmm. <laughs> and deciding, like, which online thing resources user-friendly versus too cumbersome and 
like, for example, like I take notes while I see clients and that's partly how I think. It just works for me and if I was typing, it would be a whole different thing. So I'd say that's one. And then balancing work and home because it was such a long journey to get to where I am that I'm always so interested and so excited and I don't know if you feel this way too, but everything relates to our work in a way. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. <laughs> because it's about people. And so it's tempting to just work 24-7, but I really try to create some boundary for myself, like transition from work to home by either going to exercise or I call my best girlfriends that I've known since third grade and will She's also a therapist, so sometimes we'll just laugh and debrief over the phone before we get home from work, and that's really helpful. That's such then, a good way. Well, it's such a good way of doing it because you actually put intentionally, you put like almost spacers in between different parts of your life. It's really important, I think, because otherwise it just kind of can bleed into your life too much, and it's important for your relationships with your family and other people to make that space but I guess the other big challenge has been insurance which I'm sure a lot of therapists can relate to because for me I think it's been invaluable to take some insurance in my practice so that I can see a more diverse population but I had to figure out which insurance companies I worked well with so that I could you know make a living because I live in, I think now the San Francisco Bay Area is the most expensive part of the country. So that's a challenge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for like your honesty around that. You know, I think I was thinking a lot about what you said like earlier, which is I think for our field especially, there's such this need to have these boundaries, right? Because, and we were talking about this when we started, like I feel like, for me, like I'm a better business owner, for example, when I spend time, like when we grab a meal with friends on a weekend, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I think the nature of what we do, because it is so interconnected to life. And I, I was just like curious about what your thoughts were around that. Do you find that's very similar experience? Or how do you experience it? You mean in terms of taking care of yourself? Yeah, just around self care and boundary setting and how like, you know, the things that we may do that's completely unrelated to a, to our job, right? But has almost a, a direct or an indirect impact in, within the therapy room. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like for me, I exercise every day and it's really important for me to kind of filter things out of my brain. And one of the best ways that helps me do that is swimming. And when I swim just in the water and so there's no input, which we have like input all week long in our work and it's just a way where no one's talking to me. My thoughts is kind of meditative, I guess. So that's very, very helpful. And I also love music. So when I come home and listening to music or dancing around with my partner and just kind of loosening up and letting go of the, so what sometimes can be like a heavy, heavy work day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I never like heard it that way, but it makes perfect sense. Like that, that the importance of silence, you know, mm -hmm. this was such a good conversation. It went by so fast. 
Are you ready for the hot couch round? I think I am. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. So what do you think, Kathy, for you, what's a daily habit that you believe contributes to your success? Well, I guess I just talked about this, but swimming or walking daily, sometimes is in the middle of my work day and sometimes in the beginning or sometimes at the end, but it's pretty critical for me. But it's something that sounds like it happens like daily or, you know, as much as possible for you. Yeah. What's an online resource that's been invaluable on your private practice journey? Well, Postpartum Support International is so great for the work that I do. It's helpful for me to refer other healthcare providers for clients. There's lots of good up-to-date information. And then for Psychology Today, I think is great for getting referrals. And Office Ally is one that I use for my online billing. Such good resources. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your favorite business-related book? Like a book that's really impacted how you see private practice and maybe even just see life in general? Well, I guess in terms of uh, for the gifts of imperfection, it's probably my favorite by Brene Brown. I just think it's so great to avoid the pitfalls of expecting perfection. And she uses you know, her great sense of humor. It's very down-to-earth and how she encourages being vulnerable and authentic and to have self-compassion. So I think that's really helpful for me in my practice as well as passing that along to my clients. And then honestly, I did want to put a plug in for you because I think Selling the Couch podcast has been the greatest resource for my learning curve as a private practice therapist. I'm just so grateful for what you do and I can listen when I'm cooking or taking a break, and it feels like a real pay-it-forward kind of service. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been very neat, and I think humbling, and I just, I love our field so much, and it's just been neat to see all the things that folks are doing in the world. Yeah, it's fascinating. What's a tip that you would give to someone who's thinking about starting a private practice? Well, I would say... Definitely have at least a part-time job for an income stream. Consult with successful positive therapists because there's always going to be a lot of naysayers for going into private practice. And just talk to the people that are doing it and love it and get advice and referrals. And maybe join your local either specialty organization or just your general therapist organization and go to some of the meetings to meet other therapists and pass out your cards. And the last question is, imagine that you were starting your private practice all over again. You have $500 in a laptop. Uh, Kathy, for you, what would be that first step that you would take toward building your private practice? Well, I would take a few therapists out to coffee or out to lunch that are doing just what you want to do and, you know, pick their brains, see if they have space to sublet and or potential referral sources for you. And the $20 that you spend on these lunches goes a long way towards getting yourself known in the community. So I would do that and then invest in some really nice business cards that are unique to your practice message and pass those out. Those are wonderful tips. Kathy, I'm so glad that we've been able to connect. Grateful just for your heart. What are some of the best ways that folks can get in touch with you? Well, you can go to my website, which is kathybermanmft.com. 
Kathy, thank you. Thank you. Hey, gang, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kathy, and I hope that it encourages you and motivates you, especially if you're in a season of life where you have a lot of fear and you're wondering whether this private practice journey is worth it, or even if you're just at the beginning and just thinking about taking that leap. Kathy mentioned a number of resources and uh, lots of different tools and resources, and you can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 119. You know, one of the things that I was just reflecting on this conversation, and I think the biggest thing that really stood out to me was what I alluded to in, in that conversation, which is I think sometimes we all feel the pressure to go into a certain niche or have a certain training, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those things align with who we are and the work that we're meant to do in the world. And I think the big thing that I took away from Kathy's conversation is that the world gets served in bigger ways and we do much better work when we do focus on the things and the trainings and the, and the populations that we are passionate about. Kathy mentioned that uh, one of the best ways that she started to grow her practice was just by connecting with local colleagues. And one of the things that I've been working on in the background, which I hope to be launching next year, is the Selling the Couch directory, which is a directory focused on us helpers and healers who are in private practice. There's nothing like this online now. And uh, whereas traditional directories tend to focus on the general public, this is something for us, and this will help us to better be able to connect, uh, refer, and collaborate with colleagues who share our passions and interests all around the world. You can learn more about the directory at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. And as we wrap up, again, wanted to thank the folks over at Theranes for supporting today's podcast conversation. If you're tired of expensive and maybe even hard to use private practice management software, uh, feel free to check out Theranest. Um, it's simple, it's affordable, and it's used by thousands of our colleagues all around the world each month to better manage and grow their private practices. You can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest to get the first month free and then a couple of months at a discounted rate. Again, the link is sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest. Have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy. 
um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.